Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh. I'm pastor here in the Dallas, Texas area, which reminds me that if you would go ahead and put it on your calendar, October 4th here in the Dallas area at MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church, we have our one-day EST conference, the first one ever. And uh, we just want to invite you to come out and hang out with myself, Micah, Sam, and Dr. Tom Rayner, as well as other guests. It's a one-day conference, and the way it's designed is intentionally to have you just fly in that morning to the DFW airport, and then you can make your way over to the, the church where it's located. It's very close. Spend the day with us, and then maybe fly out. If you're driving, of course, you're welcome as well. But this one-day conference will make it to where you don't necessarily need to get a hotel, save you a little bit of money there, and uh, come hang out with us. You can find more information. Here's our short link. It's bits, B-I-T dot L-Y slash EST conference. That's bit.ly slash EST conference. Hope to see you here in October 4th at the first ever EST conference. Uh, my friend and co-host today is Pastor John McCollum. You may have heard him on episode 74, where we talked about the post-event hangover, the, the challenge that goes through a number of pastors after and um, a major event like Easter. And so many people want to quit at that time. It's a dark season. So we talked a little bit about navigating through that. Also threw in some great advice, I think, about connecting with your guest. And so you'll, you'll want to go back and listen to episode 74. Pastor John is the pastor of 23 years at First Baptist Church Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm um, just fortunate to make his acquaintance and be friends with him. Pastor, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you again. Thanks for inviting me. Hope you're well. well I, yeah, I am. And I loved you so much on the last episode. I thought we'd do it again episode uh, 75 here, and uh, we got kind of an interesting topic that I'm pretty passionate about, actually. I talk about it quite a bit. It's a, it's a challenge of mine, something that you and I have connected on Twitter about. Uh, it's the beauty of the short sermon. So what would you call a short sermon? How long? I would call a short sermon 20 to 23, 24, maybe 25 minutes at the outset, but less than a half hour, I would call a short sermon. What about you? 
Yeah, I could stick there. I there's a church. Hmm. Let me see if I can remember exactly what the sign says. It's between Dallas and Waco, maybe. It's a. It's just a little kind of country church on the side of the road. There, there's a big banner, and it says "Home of the 30 Minute Worship Service." I have seen that, and have I you? left, and I wanted to take a picture of it. Couldn't yeah, believe it. It's a big deal. And, you know, I've seen that sign go down and come back up. It's just kind of, they make sure that that sign is up there. That is their selling point, 30 minute worship services. So, um, I'm not sure how long you're preaching in that one. I mean, yeah, I don't think I would like to, uh, to, to go that extent. That has to be what a, a 10 or 12 minute sermon, maybe. I don't know how I would prepare a 10 or 12 minute sermon. <laughs> it, would just, it would take more preparation than a 40 minute sermon. That's for sure. Yeah. It would. You got to cut out a lot of stuff there. So we're talking about 20 to 30 minutes. And in in trans, in the effort to be transparent, this is my goal. I shoot for 25 minutes every week. That is what I'm planning for. That's what I prepare for. In the seven years of being a lead pastor and then my 16, 17 years in full-time ministry where I've preached multiple times a week, I rarely hit that goal. It's usually over, but my my strategy is if I'm shooting for 25 and I go a little over, that's okay. But if I shoot for an hour and I go a little over, that's, that's not going to be good. So, <laughs> right. You know, so why do you have any sort of conviction on this or is this just a preference? Obviously it's a preference. We're not going to pretend that 20 minute services are more holy. God doesn't like a 20 minute preacher more than a 40 minute preacher. Although right. I've heard people on the 40 minute side pretend to be that way. But what do you, uh, what kind of leads you to the idea that maybe, shorter sermons might be more ideal? Well, uh, a few things. Um, I'm a 20 to 25 minute preacher. I preached a sermon here when we were preaching through James last fall that went like 28 minutes and I had people say, man, you were long today. I mean, they were okay <laughs> with it, but it was, they noticed. They noticed. Right. Um, my, my convictions about it are, are uh, number one, it's a preference. It's not a conviction. I, I don't think I'm good enough to go 40 minutes and and maintain attention. Um, so that's one thing. I'm also um, a manuscript preacher. I prepare a manuscript every Sunday. I don't read it, but uh, I'm familiar with it. So that disciplines me and helps me kind of know how long it's going to be just based on on pages and pacing and that kind of thing. So I also like the shorter sermon because it gives more time for um uh, some of the other elements of worship, they don't feel so pressed and so rushed. And even more time, if you do a, a public invitation, you don't feel so pressed to get people out and people aren't always so quick to feel like they need to leave. So so uh, that's a few things. And then I've always had the philosophy of uh, I want to quit before the people do. I want to mm. quit with them thinking, man, I wish he'd gone just a little longer than like one time my family was at Disney World. We were visiting a big church down there, and the guy was preaching. He was going on and on and on and on. My son, who was 12 at the time, leaned over and said, is he about finished? <laughs> I leaned over and said, I hope so, because it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kids so, are awesome. So they are. So, I, you know, I just want to quit before the people do and leave them hungry for a little more rather than sure. exhausted by the experience, thinking when's this going to be over. What about this you? Is a, this is a tad bit off topic, but it happened yesterday, so it's funny. After service, we were at a, a restaurant, and it was a fast food restaurant. My family and in-laws were standing there. My youngest son, who's four, 
um, kind of noticed everybody, most of the people in the line were dressed a little nicer. So he says, everybody went to church. And he says this pretty loudly. Everybody went to church. And he was standing up in a kind of a booth. So he uh-huh. was a little bit eye level to me. And uh, he says, everybody went to church. And I said, no, son, not everybody went to church. Some people don't go to church. Well, he says, just as loud as he could. Who didn't go to church? Did they not go to church? And he points at this this family behind me, you know, and he just kind of points at them and they, from, um, I don't think that they went to church. And um, <laughs> it was really funny just the way that he kind of called them out there in the middle of the- Out of the mouths of pigs. Um, yeah, and so, I bet they talked about that on the way home. I bet the, they did, you know. Yeah. Um, so for me, it, my primary conviction or preference on this is that I lean towards being a one-point sermon Mm -hmm. preacher from an exegetical standpoint. I think that the text has one primary um, thought and so one meaning. And so if you have more than that, the joke is if you have three points, you have three sermons. And so um, I think that there is enough to explain, illustrate, and apply from that one point. And then I think if you talk about anything for 20, 30 minutes, you've probably talked about it and, and, and it's quite a bit and you want to kind of give it to people in a way that they'll understand it and apply it. So to me, that's, that's kind of my main motivation for me preaching, uh, shorter mm-hmm. sermons. On the other side of it is I've just never heard preachers, um, and I've listened to all of the same preachers that you know and everybody knows that could not have cut out some of that and still stayed on topic. There, There's uh, quite a few very popular great preachers who are a pleasure and a blessing to listen to. However, around that 30, 40, 45 minute mark, you're starting to go, you maybe belabored that point a little more than we needed or some of that wasn't germane to the topic we have here. And so, I mean, that's just an experience I have. There are maybe other people who have greater experience with pastors who can just preach for 45 minutes on one topic and all of it's incredibly applicable. And uh, that's great, but it's just my experience. I'm not sure a lot of that, you know, we've all been in a sermon where um, the, the, the preacher preached actually two sermons. You, you can see it. They, They picked up another text and started in on that. So I just never want to be that way because I think that it clouds the issue. I think it clouds the one I'm actually trying to communicate. And it's so easy. You know, I've heard sermons you have too, where the congregation begins to want to help the preacher land the plane. mm. You know, they, they feel like he's coming in for a landing and it's just a touch and go. Boom. He's back up and he's circling the airfield again, saying some of the same things that he's already said. And, you know, you, you don't want your congregation breathing a sigh of relief if you use the phrase, and in conclusion. <laughs> and, yeah, and you want them to be kind of shocked. Oh, we're there already, you know. And, yeah, you want to finish with them thinking, that's it, you know, mm-hmm. and as opposed to thank God, that's over. Right. Um, but some people who are really sharp and good, they can they can pull that off beautifully but i agree with you if you if you're trying to focus on what's the main thing i want uh i feel like god wants me to communicate out of this text and just just live there um 20 or 30 minutes is plenty 
I've kind of just, my, my philosophy really is not so much to be a 20-minute, 20 25-minute preacher. My philosophy really has been to say what I think God wants me to say out of that text, however long it takes. It's just for me, it, it rarely takes more than 20, 25 minutes. Mm. You know, and this is this is also maybe not only preference as we've covered, but also personality. I'm mm-hmm. a short communicator anyways, although I, I love to talk and can sit and have coffee conversations with people for hours. One of the things that I often kind of got in trouble for in my past is whether I was, let's say it's an essay question or an interview. When people mm-hmm. ask me questions, I just usually tend to stick to like a one and one sentence answer, like the answer. I just give that answer mm-hmm. and then move on. And sometimes that's misinterpreted. Like maybe he doesn't know anything else about the topic. Well, I know a lot about the topic, but that's not what you asked. You know, I'm just giving this one thing, you know, that you want. So it's a personality preference, I know as well. So, and that's, I'm like you, just I've got that one thing to say. And if it takes me longer than 30 minutes to say, then I had more than one thing to say. So, Probably you know, maybe and, turn it into a series. Maybe so. And, uh, yeah. and I will admit because of this conviction and this, uh, goal, because of this, this, uh, preference I have, I regularly, I have a file in my sermon folder of future sermon ideas. And they, they came up as I was discussing this sermon, you know, and it's like, man, I preach a whole nother one on this. This is a whole different approach to this text. And so, uh, I think that that's but okay. Your congregation, but your congregation will rise up and call you blessed that you decided to do that in two sermons instead of one. <laughs> and it's, it's hard. hard. It's grateful. It is hard because you, you think, um, you know, I've got a series, so I can't do it next week. It's just going to have to be sometime in the future. I'm going to come back right. to that or, you know, and, and that's okay. I think that's fine. We well, were talking. Go ahead. Go ahead. I said most no, of us, most of us, uh, even though we tend to preach in series, I do. I think you do too. Even though most of us tend to preach that way, we all still have a few standalone Sundays during the course of a year when when that kind of topic could come back and you could Absolutely. you could use. It. You said uh, you listen to other preachers online regularly. What have you discovered here recently about length of sermons? Well, uh, I'm always interested after Easter to listen to to Easter sermons because I've been preaching Easter's thir- 37 Easter's. I don't want to keep repeating the same stuff. I like finding new angles, new ideas to stimulate my thinking about the text. Um, but one thing I noticed is that most of the preachers that I've listened to uh, over Easter preach shorter sermons on Easter than, than they did, than they typically do, where they might be 40, 45. A lot of them were 30 or under. And, wow. um, and that tells me, number one, that it can be done when they want to. Sure. And they're probably thinking we've got guests. We've probably got more music than usual this week. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to have to shorten it. And, and I guess that would give me lead me to want to make a challenge to the listeners would be if you're a long preacher, you know, God bless you. Fine. You preach as God leads you. Don't worry about what anybody else says, but, but maybe think about, um, testing and, and just testing yourself. Can I preach a 25 minute sermon and maybe try two or three weeks of doing that and forcing yourself to, to focus instead of shooting at that giant target to, to just bring your focus in more to that bullseye and uh, cutting away the fat. 
There should always be plenty of stuff on the cutting room floor when a pastor's finished with a sermon. Right. Uh, many times less is more. It has mm. more impact. It has more focus. Um, it, 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 it's more easy to comprehend and listen to and, and stay engaged with. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that preaching is different than any other public address, completely different. And there's a number of reasons why that is. There's theological reasons to that. There's the, just the topic that we're speaking on, um, demands a certain sort of respect and, and, um, even the approach that we take to text and being faithful to the text. So I get that. However, one of the things that most challenged me or, or made me think in this direction was the TED Talks and the popularity of TED Talks mm-hmm. and those sort of things. And um, I don't remember. I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with whatever book it is I'm trying to reference. But there was a book that just wasn't about it wasn't the TED Talks. It was about TED Talks. And what they found was 18 to 20 minutes, if I'm not mistaken, was the ideal listening span for a person. And And I'm sure we can bemoan and be upset about uh, our culture's attention spans and things like that. However, I'm not sure 45 minute sermons once a week is going to lengthen the, the attention span of our members. Um, it's just, right. you're going to fight, you're going to fight against something that's there. So um, that was interesting to me. And, and, you know, to be, um, to be honest, I really don't know what Micah or Sam's conviction or preference is on this. So I don't want to people or listeners to think that I'm speaking for them. Obviously, if you listen to any of our shows, you know, none of us speak for each other. But um, I can hear I, I, I think I can channel Micah. I know what he's going to say on this. Sermons don't have to be short, but all sermons can be shorter is something that I can hear him say. You know, that's just kind of the way he thinks that you don't have to make your sermon fit within 20 minutes, let's say. But everybody could shorten their sermon. So if Micah wouldn't think that, then I'm thinking that that's we could um, we could call out something from our sermon and shorten it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the extraneous cut away the fat. You know, I love a good ribeye, but a, a good ribeye, if the butcher doesn't take a lot of that fat off, is going to be a mess. Mm. And and so so cutting away some of the fat, sure, some great stuff. Use it another time. File it away. Mm. You know, a, a good story. Well, some stories fit, but sometimes there's too many stories, and we need to drop one. There's so many ways we can we can um, edit out some things that are maybe interesting to us might not be all that interesting to the listener. Um, so, so, uh, you know, Fred Craddock talks about sometimes bringing your study to the pulpit. In other words, taking people with you into the study when you're preparing your mm-hmm. sermon, pretending they're looking over your shoulder, listening to you. And then sometimes taking that back out, wrestling with the text in front of the people, just like you did over your, over your, uh, sermon when you were preparing it in your study and sometimes that's okay but but uh, um, but you know you don't want to take everything in your study into the pulpit just I've got keep a few track of it it'll come back you'll use it later i've got a few pushbacks for the people who say, you know i just can't preach any shorter uh a couple of things to think about and maybe you'll have some uh, to add on to this but the first one the some common reasons i think sermons go longer than they need to be the first one is explaining words that everybody understands. And sometimes we just get in that habit of going through this biblical kind of uh, explanation or this exegesis or this morphology of every single word in the text. And 
Everybody yes. kind of already grasped what bread meant. It was bread. That's what it meant. And so you don't necessarily need to over explain bread or maybe it's a maybe you do need to explain something along the lines of Christ and Messiah are the same kind of concept. It's annoying. But maybe for your text in that sermon, that's really all you need to say. Anointed or set aside one or something like that. You don't need to go into the complete morphology of that word or, de, you know, definitions and all that sort of stuff of that word. So I would challenge people to really step back and ask yourself, did you need to explain that? The other side of it is I am a huge storyteller, love storytelling. In fact, my favorite sermons are narrative, not didactic. And I know a lot of people love preaching Paul. Paul's so challenging to me. The Old Testament's my favorite because I love the narratives more. Mm -hmm. But you have to really kind of challenge yourself to learn how to tell stories. Some people don't know how to tell a story and they put too much um, details in there. You lose the people along the way or you don't give any foreshadowing at the beginning of your story to kind of draw them in. And maybe you need to change the word here to fit the word that's going to really be the hook at the end of it. And so... I would really encourage people to find good storytellers. The Bible is a great storyteller. One of the best stories ever written. One of the best narratives ever recorded is David and Bathsheba. And you'll be amazed. It's not right here in front of me. I think it's nine verses. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's this gripping story that happens so quickly, but it's moving. And, um, and so learn to tell stories. Oh, yeah. And there's so much meaning in that story. And I might be mm -hmm. wrong. It might be more than nine verses, but it's very, very short. And a number of um, stories in the Bible, you'll see that the Bible is excellent at telling very robust stories, very uh, succinctly. And that's something that we need to develop as we're telling stories in our sermons. Um, they'll be much more impactful. So maybe you do need to cover all of that text. Maybe you do want, but... You probably don't need to over-explain that word, and your stories could be a little shorter. I agree. I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves as pastors when we take a particular word study or whatever into the pulpit, uh, am I doing this to clarify the text, or am I doing this to impress people with how much education I have? Mm -hmm. I think it's important to take a good look at our own, at, at what's driving our need to take everything we do in the study into the message, into the sermon itself. And another thing about the stories, I would add, is I think pastors need to spend some time reading short stories, just good hmm. short story literature like Flannery O'Connor. My gosh, what an incredible uh, writer she was with a Christian bent. But wonderful short stories. Think of oh, Henry, uh, Conrad. There's so many great American short stories. A sermon is more like a short story than a novel, and mm. I think it's important It's important that we remember that, and that might help us trim some things down uh, as, we, as we do our work. True, and remember your context. I don't, you know, for those, most preachers or a lot of preachers are very educated or, uh, you know, pursue a lot of education. Even maybe they don't have paper on a wall. They enjoy mm -hmm. those sort of settings. And I've seen a number of preachers stand up, uh, particularly right out of seminary or Bible college or something like that, 
and what they delivered would make a very good lecture on an intensive on that chapter in mm -hmm. seminary. I mean, it was just fantastic and so much stuff. But you got to remember the the congregation's not necessarily all on that level or hasn't done all that reading that you did. And so when you dump that much, it's not a seminary lecture. It's a sermon and um, it's to various groups of people. And so uh, shorter sermons tend to discipline us to speak what needs to be spoken in a clear enough way that it can get done in that manner than allowing yourself to go on and on and on. Um, one of the more famous uh, long preachers I know um, that everybody probably has heard one or two of his sermons or many, many podcast him a lot. Mainly they stretch out just because of stories. They stretch out because of very long stories that he tells. It's not biblical context. And I think that that's just something that we need to discipline ourselves and, and be okay with. It's not a sin to preach a short sermon. I think some no. people think that. Look at the sermons in Acts. Uh, mm -hmm. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. Read them out loud. See how long they last. Uh, they're way shorter. Even the Pentecost sermon, way shorter than what we preach. And God certainly used that. My soul, 3,000 saved in, at mm -hmm. the end of the sermon. So I don't think length, short or long, is the telling thing. The telling thing is, am I communicating the gist of what God has given me to communicate in this text? If it takes 20 minutes to do it, fine. If it takes 18 minutes to do it, do it in 18 minutes. If it takes 30 minutes, do it in 30 minutes. I think another thing, too, Josh, is is it's important, and this is a distinction I make. Not every preacher makes this, and that's okay um, to each his, his own. But I, I have a bit of a distinction between preaching and teaching. Now, teaching happens in preaching. And some mm -hmm. sermons are more didactic in nature, particularly if the text is a didactic text. You're going to mm -hmm. preach as the text leads you. If it's a narrative text, preach a narrative sermon. If it's a didactic text, you know, catch the tone, the mood of the text, not just and not just preach this every text the exact same way. Uh, that mm -hmm. adds variety. It's more interesting. And I think it's a way to keep shorter. So there are things I will do when I do a Wednesday night Bible study where I typically just go through entire Bible books. Um, right. That I won't do in sermon. It's it's more t it's a different time frame I have to work with. People have different expectations about it uh, when they come, and so I will give some more detail in a study that I won't necessarily give in a sermon unless that detail is important to getting the the sermon's message across. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think is that, that a fair distinction. Teaching and preaching, is that a fair distinction? One's heralding, the other is more just teaching through uh, texts. What do you mm. think? I think you're right. I think um, your audio is cutting out just a little bit. Hopefully we'll catch that back. But I did hear what you're saying. The difference between teaching and preaching is a cool, is a good distinction and something that we need to keep in mind. I think that there's a difference. Others don't. They think that teaching would be the stronger of those. And you even brought up a, a good topic or something that could be used as the supplemental times. A lot of us do have a Wednesday night that we could use, or even now with technology, you could, all that stuff that you cut out that you felt like was somewhat important or helpful. I've seen mm -hmm. pastors share that stuff out, you know, go mm -hmm. and just, just say, Hey, read these things here real quickly before Sunday or Sunday. I talked a lot about this. This is something I didn't get a chance to put in there. So, um, take a look at this and, and see if this will help you with your understanding. 
I've also mm-hmm. thought before, like on that Wednesday night, I've seen other people do this. I haven't personally done it, but if I'm preaching, you could preach a text on Sunday and then talk about all of the other um, information, the teaching sort of aspect of it on a Wednesday night and make those mm-hmm. supplemental, make them go together. And I think that would right. be really uh, fascinating. Uh, one of the ways that I, it comes to play in is I lead a small group, which I, suge- I suggest pastors get involved in their small groups, but I lead a small group and we do sermon-based discussions. So I preach on one Sunday, the next Sunday morning, I'm leading a group of 2025 20, people my age, and we're talking about that sermon. I always mm. have opportunity to share a bunch illustrations, um, things like that. And in fact, even there's sometimes where I say, so I illustrated it this way. What would be another way to illustrate? And I told him this last time. I remember saying this specifically. I had a hard time illustrating this point. How would y'all have illustrated that point? And it gets everybody thinking. And um, there's other things I share. I said, that, here's another thought that comes from the Old Testament that I wasn't able to put in there, but it goes this way. And so there's a, you can share that stuff if, if, mm-hmm. if that, in discipleship relationships, but um, right. short right. stories to me are just a little bit more palatable. That's just kind of yes. how I feel. And the effort of shortness, uh, we're going to go ahead and cut it off here. So again, we just want to make sure that, you know, we're not saying that a long sermon is a sin, a short sermon is better. It's just uh, we wanted to kind of bring up the topic. I know a lot of people wrestle with how long should my sermons be? Well, let's try to make them a little shorter. Let's make them as clear as possible. Thanks again for listening to EST. Make sure that you visit bit.ly slash EST conference. Get all the information and the schedule on the first ever EST conference hosted here in Dallas, Texas on October 4th. And as always, we so appreciate when you share and let other people know about the EST podcast. Help us grow the show. Let your other pastor friends know. Maybe you go to a a weekly meeting or an associational gathering or something like that, or you may have a Facebook page. Go ahead and throw a link in there and let us kind of help them as much as we're helping you. If we're helping you at all, we pray we are. So have a great week and we'll chat with you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.